You're listening to Voice Acting Mastery, episode number 153. Welcome to the Voice Acting Mastery podcast with Crispin Freeman. VoiceActingMastery.com is your place to learn both the skills and the mindset you need to become a professional voice actor, even if you're just getting started. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover valuable tips, tricks, and insider information to help you portray characters in animation, video games, and beyond. And now here's your host, voice actor Crispin Freeman. Hi there. My name is Crispin Freeman, and I'll be your guide through the world of voice acting. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to check out my personal website at www.crispinfreeman.com. Welcome to the third and final part of my interview with the Emmy Award-winning voice actress, Miley Flanagan. Miley is probably most famous for voicing the character of Naruto in the long-running anime franchise of the same name. She also won an Emmy for her performance in the animated show Jaker's The Adventures of Pigglywinks. Miley is an accomplished on-camera actress and comedienne as well. She is one of the few actresses who works almost equally in voice acting and on-camera, and I was excited to bring her on the podcast to share her experience with my listeners. In the previous episode... Miley and I discussed what inspired her to become an actress in the first place. Her international upbringing, her family's penchant for wry humor, and her training to become a spy for the CIA were all big influences on her. These varied experiences helped her hone her observational skills, which served her incredibly well when she was studying other actors' performances. Each of these environments also provided her with opportunities to test her social skills and to learn how to communicate effectively with a wide range of people. In this episode, I ask Miley what advice she has for aspiring voice actors. Miley teaches voiceover workshops, so she has lots of hands-on experience working with students and helping them understand what it takes to succeed as a professional voice actor. She shares with me some of the most common mistakes she sees her students make, and she emphasizes how important it is for an aspiring voice actor to do their homework, as she puts it. We go into great detail about how voice acting homework differs from more traditional homework you may have been assigned in school. Learning how to immerse yourself in a character requires a different mindset than figuring out algebra problems and Miley has some great insights on what you can do to improve the believability of your performances. And now, the feature segment. So, this now brings me to my final question, which is what I like to ask all of my guests. I'm nervous. I know, right? Um, I should what have got prep from Mary Elizabeth I saw her today. Is the square root of pi. No. Um, <laughs> Keep it one, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just pi. I want the square root of pi. Um, uh, what... Uh, what advice do you have to aspiring voice actors? And this is also coupled with the fact that you actually teach classes. Yeah. So what, what advice do you have to aspiring voice actors? I think take theater, which you did, mm-hmm. do theater, and improv. And improv will help you greatly. And I think it's surprising to me how many people, especially now the younger people that are like college age and right out of college that I'm teaching, they're like, well, I don't really watch, you know, cartoon or whatever they'll watch one thing they're like oh i used to watch the simpsons when i was young and i'm like you're in this class watch it and i make them watch something they wouldn't like like if they're somebody who is more of a simpson person i'll be like watch star wars rebels Mm. right okay and and i think you have to do your homework and 
it's so weird because people now say like, I don't watch TV. I don't, I don't watch TV. And so I'm you like, have students coming into your class who want to work as voice actors and they don't watch animation. That's right. So. And they admit it. How do they expect to? I don't know. And e- but even what's weirder is this. I'm like, I said something um, a couple months ago to a class, and I said something about, um, you know, before she was as prominent, but still prominent. I said, uh, you guys voted today, right? You know, put in your, I was like, maybe for Kamala Harris. You know, you can't really suggest, but, and they're like, who? What? And they all live in California now, anyway. And they were seniors. Mm-hmm. I'm like. In high school or in college? No, in college. college. College seniors. Didn't know, had no idea who I was, what I was talking about. Didn't know who Kamala Harris oh, because was. because I also brought up, when she interrogates people, she puts her hand on her, and she just kind of zings them. It's like, yeah. And what did you do? Did you do yeah. that? Did you do that? Was it a whim? Was it a, you know, and, yeah. and they had no idea. And, and also. And for the audience members who are not from California, Kamala Harris is our senator. Yeah. So, and running for president. And currently running for president. Yeah. So one of our two senators yeah. <laughs> that represent the entire state of California. Yeah. And so to not know who one of your two senators are. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I would say stuff to them like that or I'd say, well, did you guys see, um, you know, uh, the woman from... Now, it's not... You can't see everything. People always give me references. I don't understand. Sure. But I sure will make sure that I go back and look at them. Yeah. Like if it says, it's like Eddie and the Monsters, that's a 50-year-old reference. Yeah. So you got to look it up, right? Yeah. Um, but like, they, so, like you have to watch TV. You have to watch a little bit of it. Because I would say some names of people, right? Like, oh, I don't really like that kind of stuff. I'm like, but you're going to be asked to do Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And it's your version of Barack Who? Obama. <laughs> <laughs> he was the president. Oh, the president. Yeah. Oh, okay, got, got, got you. And I was like, it doesn't matter. You can do a bad Barack Obama. You're right. But you just have to know uh, the where it's coming part. from. So if they don't watch animation, why do they want to be voice actors? I mean, it's like saying, I want to play guitar, but I've never listened to rock and roll. Or country I, or folk music or whatever kind of I guitar music you want to play. I, I think because they think it's cool. They think it's cool to be a voice actor, yeah. even though they don't watch animation. So how would they know it's cool? Well, they they might have watched stuff when they were younger, right? So it's like, oh. oh, I loved My Little Pony. And, you know, whatever. Oh, so, so the problem is, is that they, they saw something they, when they are a kid, and now that they're a college student, they want to get into and it. And they also hear it's cool, and it's fun, you know, mm. and it pays well. Who do they hear this from? I don't know. Us. <laughs> Have you been spreading (laughs) lies? I try try to keep it down. Uh, But I also direct them to friends' websites. You know, yours, Steve's, um, Dee Bradley Baker's, Richard Horvitz, you know. Uh It's like, but mostly I'm like, watch behind the scenes, too. Like, they have such unlimited resources now. YouTube is your friend. Seriously. There was a guy in my class, I shouldn't say this, but he he didn't know what the word monotone meant. Mm. And I was like, dude, you had this for two days. If you didn't really know, and English was his first language, if you didn't really know, you should at least have Googled it. Right. This is the thing where I go, wouldn't it be nice if there were a device that fit in your pocket yeah. where you could just look things up and they would tell you what, it, what words meant? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a certain sort of learned helplessness right. that comes from the convenience of technology, the sort of click-have culture. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know what that word is. Well, you could look, look it, it up. up. Oh, I guess. <laughs> or they, you know, they'll say, I don't know who 
Catherine O'Hara is. It's like, well, mm-hmm. just plug it in. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this You'll absolutely. You'll get the vibe, you know. There, there, there's stuff I, uh, that are references in uh, things all the time. There was a thing that I was just auditioning for, and I was like, I don't know who that is, yeah. because I don't, I don't watch that much uh, live action right. stuff anymore. Right. But when it comes up in an audition, you know I'm spending oh, yeah. hours researching, watching episodes, saying, oh, oh, that's the, and how do they do, and how did that actually, oh, I see. Oh, and that's, and, you know, luckily, yeah. I have a lexicon of older shows right. where I can say, oh, I see what they're doing there it's like is, like this, Robin or... is like this other show where they did this and that right. and what they're doing with Data in Next Generation is sort of what they did with Spock in right. the original series. And you can start to see patterns of stuff. Yeah. But if you've never done the research, oh. what's the... So why do you tell your students to go do theater? Um, well... Why not have them do film? or Because film like is very hard to get into. Okay. It's a very small market, but there's theater in every market. Okay. And maybe community theater. And maybe you and your friends say, let's put on a show. Okay. Grab a case of beer and put on a show in the living room, you know. Um, and you can volunteer at a theater. There are theaters all over the country. And what do you think they'll learn from working in the I theater? I think they'll learn, I think it's good to look at bad actors as well as good actors. Uh-huh. And what some of their indicators are, like, you know, why would I, you know, raising their arms in the air. Why would I do this, you know, as opposed to like, why would I do that? You know, why would I do this? Um, I think that and just getting on their feet, having to think quickly, not being able to screw up as much. So you have to commit more. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing voiceover, I mean, you can flub it five times in a row. Yeah, this is the curse of cheap recording technology. Yeah. Which is you can sit in your closet and do 20 takes. Whereas if you have to get up in front of an audience and do it that one time, you have to bring everything to that first take. And it teaches you how to bring everything. Yeah. And I think that's key. There was a girl that I did a TV show with and youngish, although she was older than she looked. When I found out how old she was, I was like, oh, you've got some homework to do. But she um, she said, I book all my stuff on self-tape for on camera. Okay. Very pretty girl. I book all my stuff on self-tape. I never go in there. And I'm like, don't they want you to go in there? And she's like, no, usually I get away with it and stuff, you know. But she's not a high-level actor, but she's working. Uh-huh. And then when we got to her scene, her first scene, and I had been shooting for four days. Uh-huh. So it was a different part of the script. She came, and the guy introduced her, and she was speaking, and I was standing this close to her, you know, like two feet away, and I couldn't hear her. And the director's like, I, I can't hear you. I can't hear what you're saying. What are you saying? Yeah. And she could not do it because she was used to just, you know, having a mic like we have right now mm-hmm. and just saying her lines like this. But we were in the middle of a, you know, outside in like the wilderness right this is a theater production no this was an on-camera oh, it was on camera television mm-hmm. show but because you were outside she needed to use her outside voice she didn't know how interesting but if she'd been in theater she would have known she would have known how yeah. fascinating yeah what do you think is you were, you were talking about those students of yours that may have had all sorts of training yeah but when they get in the booth they're lacking yeah what are they lacking um, for one guy, his confidence was so big that he wouldn't listen to any direction. And he doesn't know what we're hearing. You know, mm. so it's like, what? It's like, I can't understand that. Or, you know, you're way too loud on this part. And then something, you know, whatever the direction is. Or like, I don't believe you. You know, mm. this is really a battle. You're stabbing someone. Mm. It's not 
I'm acting like I'm Simon. The biggest problem I had in the last couple of years with young women is that when I would ask them to scream, eight times out of 10, they would go, ah. And I was like, what's that? Uh-huh. That's you telling a story about someone screaming and not screaming. Yeah, that's like the audiobook version of a scream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you need, you're in battle. Yeah. Scream. Scream. And that, for me, is really weird. But more women than men. The men, a couple would do it, but then they wouldn't do it. But the women, it was, some of them was like pulling teeth. Really? Yeah. So what do you, what are some of the most important ideas that you're trying to get across to your students? Um, what do you, what do you think that they, they need to know take about Take risks, acting? take risks and, you know, go big and we can take you down. Uh-huh. You know, animation. Yeah. Um, unless it dictates that you're like creepy and in a cave and whispering or, you know, whatever, yeah. or golem or something. Um, but take risks and don't sound like you're reading. And the other thing is I could tell who didn't practice. Mm. Can't I, you? I could, well, yes, but I'm curious to know what you're, um, how you tell. Because when I would direct them and direct them and direct them on the fifth take, they would sound like it was their first take. Their, their takes wouldn't change. Right. They, they and I was like, all you melody. needed to do was keep practicing this. Yeah. And you would have your first take would have been that take, and then we could work with you to get to a really dynamite take. That's something that's you know that's very interesting because I remember a, a teacher of mine in grad school in, in uh, acting grad school once said that he said that you know you, you practice your lines and mm-hmm. you practice your thing, and what happens is you end up sort of calcifying it. Uh, like you do it a certain way and it becomes sort of sing song and you think if I just sing the notes the same way yeah. then I've done my job and he goes but what happens if you have to do your and this is in the um, un, uh, we were working on monologues okay right so they, because that's the classic thing in theaters they want you to audition with a monologue a right. prepared monologue and so we would go up and do these monologues and they would come out the same way yeah. all the time yeah. no matter how much and he goes yeah but what happens if you do the monologue on the subway Right? right? You're standing in the subway holding the strap. You've got all these people around you. And now you have to do the monologue to the person right next to you. And you don't want anyone else to hear. Right. And that means that you're going to have to say the monologue differently. Yeah. You know? Instead of, hi, here I am. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day until the last syllable of recorded time. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, as yeah. opposed to, rah, to the rafters. Right. And that, like, pops something in my head going, oh, crap. It's not about following a recipe. No. It's about trying to be dynamically in the moment connected to someone. Yeah. Rather than just running a program. Yeah. And, and, and I had them, these students do their Shakespeare monologues, which is one of their classes. I said, do it. Do it for your demo. We'll do it, but contemporize it. Ooh. And so they would do it. And I'd say, no, really contemporary. Be like, and then I'd be like, okay, but what are you saying? Like, and they're like, I want you to get out of here. I was like, there you go. <laughs> you know, or whatever yeah. it is. You know, it's like, and the, you know, until the last light comes, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, um, I don't know. I think it's weird with new media, too. I think that it's very short. Like, I see that. A lot of people, what they try and do in my class, which I say, don't do this in my class. I hate it. They'll do, <laughs> like... Uh, they'll do like Amy Poehler doing Hillary Clinton. Whoa. And I'll say, do it like Hillary Clinton would do it. And you don't have to sound like Hillary Clinton, but that's the idea. Yeah. So they'll do like all these SNL people. Or they'll be like, this one guy was doing this commercial that he had written. 
And I go, did you watch this one commercial? Yeah. And I go, are you trying to do Kevin Hart doing the commercial? And he goes, yeah. I was like, don't. Just do the commercial. That's, you know, that is a criticism even in the world of animation. So back when Disney was ascendant, you know, in the the 30s, 40s, and 50s, he had his stable of animators called the Nine Old Men. Oh, yeah. Right? Milk Call and and Ali Johnson and Frank Thomas and all these guys. And and when you see the the behind-the-scenes stuff, when they were trying to do Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, all this stuff, you see them drawing from life. Like, they'll have actual actors in the Uh, costume, uh and they're trying to draw from life. And then what would happen is that later generations of animators, instead of drawing from life, they'd draw from the animation. Uh, They'd imitate the animation of Disney of the 40s and 50s and even in the 60s rather than going back to the source. Right. And you could tell, like, it became mannered. Yeah. It became uh, stiff and and self-conscious and it didn't feel authentic because it wasn't coming from the direct source. Why do you think the students are imitating Amy Poehler's Hillary Clinton rather than just doing Hillary Clinton? I think because they watch... YouTube clips and quick little 30-second things. Yeah. And they're not going to watch 30 seconds of... Or they're not going to watch three minutes of Hillary Clinton saying a speech. So they're not... the the Hmm. And I will say, these are performing in film students. So it's not like I'm teaching it at a college where, you know, you'll have somebody who takes an animation class, you know, VO class, you know. Randomly. It's always like when you were in school and there's the one football player who's like, I want to take an acting class, right? Yeah. And sometimes they would be good. Yeah. Surprisingly, right? Yeah, sure. Because you've made it, you think, he's this dumb jock, he's not going to be good. And the dumb jock from my college years is on a show on Showtime now. <laughs> and he was like this tough guy, you know? Yeah. He's like, I won't be an actor, you know? And his audition, he threw someone across the room and you're like, don't do that. <laughs> and now he's like a lead on Showtime. Wow. Yeah. So what do, you, what do you think is the biggest mistake then that your students tend to make? Mm, they don't do their homework. So what does it mean to do their homework? Because like I was just saying, like I, yeah. I could repeat a monologue over and over until it's calcified and it, I, I can't do anything with it. Well, I think so, practice, practice, practice. And there's no excuse when you have an iPhone or Android that you can't record it and listen to what you sound like. And you'll always be shocked that you sound like that. Right. You know, you'll be like, oh, that's what I said? Or, oh, because I'll say, don't you think it sounds flat on that third line? They're like, yeah, it does. And I'm like, well, don't. Uh, how are you going to fix that? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, people often say, God, do I really sound like that? Yeah. When I, my voice really says, yes, yes, you do. Yeah. That is exactly how you sound. Yeah. And when, when people say, you know, I hear my voice back and I, and I hate it, I go, you could change it. Right. I mean, yeah. there, there, there's certain things. I mean, obviously, we're, we're limited uh, by uh, by our genetics. Yeah. Right. Like you have a certain Rasp. tonal raspy mm-hmm. quality to your voice. And there's not you're not going to change that. No, I'm not. But you can change your accent. You yeah. can change your intonation. You and can change pitch a little bit. Here yeah. There. You can change. So your raspy, melody. but sure. Sure. Yeah. Which actually brings up an interesting thing. In voiceover, you tend to play mostly boys. boys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you ever play female characters in animation? Um, I did on the Loud House recently, but she had braces and she was kind of a tough girl. Usually tough girls. Tough girls. Or like, you know, if I'll be on a show, it's just a clerk with a little line or something. It's not really a major... Major thing. Yeah. So do you approach playing boys differently than playing female characters? Not at this point, no. 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 It's been too long. So... It's just a click. Right. So when 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 you're called up to play 
Naruto or uh, 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 I, I, uh, Jakers is Piggly. Oh, Piggly, yeah. Piggly Winks. Piggly Winks. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say Piggly Wiggly, and that's not it. Um, uh, Everyone does that. I know, right? Because yeah, we're American. Um, uh, uh, Piggly Winks. Um, when you were auditioning for these characters and trying to play these boy characters, did you try to put on a boy mindset, or was it just another acting um, character? For Jakers, I would listen to this movie over and over again called Into the West. It was about these two, like, kind of gypsy, Irish gypsies. And they were oh. about the right age. Yeah. And so when I finally got it years later, they said, you know what we liked? You sounded kind of like a gypsy. And I was like, oops. Because <laughs> I would listen to that movie over and over and over again. Right. Just while I was cleaning the house or whatever. And doing the laundry, you know. And it just was like, because I was kind of doing a version of that. Um, it sounds like a It doesn't l- make me think like a boy, though. Right. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, when you're listening to that, you're listening to intonation. You're listening to patterns yeah. of speech. But you're not, like, studying it to see how this male character acts differently from this female character. No, and I hope that the writers capture that. Usually they do. Right. You know, every once in a while with Naruto, I've said, you know, Naruto wouldn't say that. I don't say it often because I don't want to be a jerk. Right. But every, there was a while there where every four scripts, I was like, huh? Like, he would say something really formally. Yes. I was like, that's not him. No, that would be Itachi, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, and then we realized it was probably just some writer who... Just wasn't familiar. Just, yeah, or they didn't polish it. They just wrote it and then said, I'll go back and fix it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we would just fix it on the fly. Um, See, you were contracting all of your language to make it sound more casual. I was uncontracting yeah, all my language to make, language it, sound to make it sound more formal. I know. <laughs> and then there's Rockley, which is a whole different level. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, I'm sure he ruined the day he made that choice. <laughs> I cannot tell you. <laughs> you say it in a more authoritarian way. He says it more in a nerdy kind of, <laughs> I cannot, I don't know. I can't I do his voice. Well, there you go. Um, again, it sounds like a lot of your process is immersion. Mm-hmm. So that when you say you need to do your homework, mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're sort of marinating in these people, these characters, so that it becomes second nature to you. Yeah. Which is not the same as... If you had told me, as a dutiful, overachieving student in school, um, who always, you know, did all of his homework and did all of his math homework and everything else, to do one's homework would be to drill something to the point where it was rote. Yeah. Right? Where I I could just recite it and, and get the right answer. Yeah. And that's not a good... Speaking from personal experience, that's not a good solution for acting. It doesn't, no. it doesn't work. The homework you're talking about doing is an immersion homework so that it, it sounds like it gets in your subconscious. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I used to listen to Irish music on the way to Jakers. You know, I don't listen to Japanese music on the way to Naruto. But, um, <laughs> my God, if I have to do that this many years later, there's something wrong with my brain. Um, right, but when we're doing Naruto, I mean, Jakers is trying to be as Irish as possible. Oh, yeah. And it's whereas, dated, too. I mean, it's... Set in the past. It's set in the past. Yeah. Whereas with Naruto, we're trying to let an American audience into this Japanese story, but we're not doing Japanese accents. You're doing the Irish accents, in right? Jakers, yes. Right. Yeah. So we're not doing Japanese accents. We're doing American accents, right? And so we need to. And even though people can do really good, sort of Japanese accents, 
in our show, like you and Yuri and stuff, right? They made the choice not to do that. No, that would be yeah. awkward. It would be weird. That would be strange. <laughs> um, so it makes sense you're not listening to Japanese music as you're going to play Naruto. Yeah, right. Um, but but it, it does seem like there's like I, I have this image now of you lying on on in backstage watching Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. That you're sort of soaking up like a sponge what they're doing. Yeah. And to see it the same monologue every night on and off for seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean. Not we didn't we do six week runs and then take a year off and then do it, but you know to see what that was and once in a while like it wasn't by rote but there was a rhythm to it but then it would kind of change and then you know one night she'd do something weird and be like oh I like that I'm gonna do that you know so which bring which is interesting because they've done um, some uh, look linguists have looked into Homer and the Iliad mm. and the Odyssey mm. right and we know that these ancient poems were sung live. Right. Right? That this was an oral tradition right. that eventually somebody wrote down, and now we have one night's version of it, right? Right, Homer yeah. was doing it for, you know, however long. Yeah, yeah. We only have one version of it that's recorded. And people have often wondered, how in the world did he keep this in his head when he told this? Like, how could he tell something this long yeah. from memory orally? And it turns out that he didn't have it memorized by rote. He didn't just have it all memorized in his head like some sort of savant. Yeah. That there's a rhythm to the kind of songs that he was doing that he allows him to self-generate it. It's the same way that a folk music, uh, a folk musician can sort of improv. Yeah. Or someone who's playing like four-bar blues can sort of improv right. along. So you can follow the structure and that's why you'll have certain phrases that repeat themselves. The wine-dark sea, which comes up over and over uh-huh, again uh-huh. in Homer's work. And, and it turns out in Eastern Europe there are I can't remember what they're called now. They're in Romania or something where they can, they still do this. Oh, really? Where, where they'll sit down and, and because this is a thing you do in Eastern Europe, where you sit down and everyone's the... smoking and drinking coffee or whatever, and, and and a troubadour or a musician will sit down and sing one of these ancient long form yeah. epics from memory. And it's not that they're, they've memorized it, it's that they're self-generating it in the moment. Yeah. And that, like someone did it about like the death of JFK. Like they, they have like modern epics where they've done this sort of Interesting. thing. Interesting. And so I think maybe that's getting to this notion of you're watching Laurie Metcalf do this shtick night after night. Right. And of course there is a certain pattern to the way she does yeah. it. Yeah. But it varies from night to night yeah. the same way that someone who does stand-up varies yeah. from night to night. And according to, to the crowd and... Right, yeah. which means that you have to, you, you know the tent poles, right? You know the milestones you're going to hit. Right. But as you sort of hop between those milestones, you might take slightly different journeys to get where you're going. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to have marinated in it, right? That's, yeah. That's the homework. Yeah. I'm trying to put, however awkwardly, into sort of words what I think might be going on in your head. And if I'm off base, please no, correct me. No, I think me. that that's it. I think... um because I've certainly had to memorize a lot of stuff in my life. And it's hard. It doesn't come easily to me. Um, it sure. used to come very easily to me, memorization. But that's why animation is like, I'm like, it's so much easier. You don't have to memorize it. Because you got the script in Because you have the script in your hand. Right. So I'm like, that's one thing you don't have to do. So your students need to go home and they need to marinate yeah. in this stuff. And think about it. Like I used to, um, I told them when I first started, I would drive around town or watching TV or on the radio, I'd hear a voice and I'd try and just do it. 
for years. I just do it, you know. There'll be somebody at the grocery store, and you hear them, and you just try to do the voice. Oh, what you're talking about? That's my Aunt Ethel. I yeah, know her very Ethel. well. <laughs> That's her Aunt Ethel. <laughs> That's right. She loves going to H&H &H Bagels, she? and she just wants just a, schmear. a schmear. Just a schmear. <laughs> yeah. Not the whole chunk, just a schmear. And that's what I tell them. I'm like, do you have an aunt? You know, do you have a store clerk? Did you have a teacher in high school? But see what we just did there? Yeah. We both went for the schmear. I know. Right? Because we know what we're talking about. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. We have marinated in whatever that sort of yeah. uh, New York-y, Lower East Side uh, yeah. uh, deli going for the bagel thing. We know what that is. With a we, couple of words. With a couple of words. We go right to the same place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we could, I'm sure both of us could riff off in different directions about that. Of course. But we know on an instinctive level that any producer who wants us to play Aunt Ethel, who is the Jewish woman buying her bagels, yeah. that it's some point we're probably going to have to sneak the schmear in there yeah. or else they're not going to be satisfied right. like it's not going to ring the bells and that also, they're hoping for they don't always think out some of those smaller characters yeah. so but they want it interesting and funny sure but the line is like uh take off your hat sir but isn't it funny if it's take off your hat sir <laughs> then take off your hat sir you know you know what frank and ollie yeah. the two uh, yeah. two of the nine old men of disney's they did that in the iron giant Oh, really? So if you watch The Iron Giant, there's a moment where the giant, like, smashes a barn or something. Or, yeah. No, it's, it's the train. It's the train. He, he, he messes up the train tracks, and he's trying to put the train tracks back together, and the train crashes into him, and the train derails. Okay? And the Iron Giant falls apart, but then he puts himself back together and runs away. And meanwhile, the federal guy who's investigating it pulls the two engineers out of the train, and the two engineers are Frank and Ollie. Ah. They're, they're drawn as Frank and Ollie oh, because yeah. Brad Bird, the director, admire them so yeah. much. And he got Frank and Ollie to come do no the voices way. of the characters. Now, in the original script, all it was, you know, what did you see? It, it was a metal man. Yeah. It was a very simple thing. Frank and Ollie were not satisfied with that. They went off. They made their whole shtick. Yeah. And Ollie, Ollie's character goes, go ahead, Frank, tell him what you saw. Right? <laughs> yeah. And Frank's like, well, it was a big metal man. Like, it becomes this little vignette yeah. of these two little throwaway characters that Brad just wanted to give him a cameo. Yeah. Frank and Ollie were not satisfied. They're like, no, no, no. We have to make yeah. these characters compelling in the moment. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to work it up. We're going to do this. And it makes it so much more interesting. Yeah. And that's why you have to watch stuff and do your own work. Right. Because you can pull that reference out. You can pull that reference. And more that, that it's, I mean, how can you play rock and roll music if you've never heard rock and roll? Right. What chance do you have? I don't know. You've got to, you've got to immerse yourself in all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's and really and good. I think, you know, The Simpsons always does it. Like you'll hear, you know, it'll just be like somebody doing Ethel Merman, but yeah, you know, it's it's somebody who's Lisa's swim coach, you know. But we know it's <laughs> yeah. Ethel Merman. Everyone, go do the breaststroke yeah. this time for me. You Maybe know? you should do it. Right. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day. I haven't updated my reel in so many years. Uh, oh my god, I'm guilty of that as well. Yeah, it's a pain. Is it time to put Ethel Merman, Ethel Merman on your reel? Everything's gone. I'm not. I'm not good at that. <laughs> Maybe I can work on it. Yeah. Everything's. No, there are people that do it better. She's so like nasally masked yeah. forward that yeah. Everything's coming up. Roses. She's like she's she's another iconic one. Like you want to yeah. do it or you kind of intimate it. That's okay too. Yeah. But if you're you're doing Ethel Merman on your reel. <laughs> you better do a good Ethel Merman. You better do a good Ethel Merman, or it better be something that's completely different. Like sitting around the waiting room at, back in the day when we didn't record at home and send it in. Like, you know, 
One guy would start Johnny Carson, and the next guy would do his Johnny Carson. Or Christopher Walken. Uh, yes, uh, those two Endless. especially. And it drove me bananas. <laughs> and I would just sit there trying to read my copy and remember what voice I had created and how I wanted to do it. And I'd be like... It was, it was endless, endless. You, I would just try and I'd walk into the court. I'd be like, "How many more minutes in? I got to go to the courtyard." Like, it was just everybody doing Christopher Walken, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's great. But now people don't get to do that anymore because <laughs> everyone's recording. At everyone's home. recording in their closet oh, or their booth. Yeah, you have a booth, right? I have a booth. Yeah. yeah. Do you have yeah. a booth? I have a closet, walk-in closet. Nice. Well, I took a walk-in closet and I converted it oh, yeah, into yeah. a booth. Yeah, I don't. I guess I have the room in one, but okay. Yeah. My closet has great acoustics. So. Great. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Miley. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Absolutely. And I think I've learned more than I've than I realized today. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what have you learned? I don't know. I, I think I'll have a different when I go back to teach in August. I think I'll have a different approach to a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Can you articulate, or are you going to save that for yourself? No, just more like about some of the stuff you said about like living in the character and stuff. Yeah. Adopting that kind of language to convey that to the kids. Cool. Yeah. I do think I learned quite a bit. Okay, good. I'll have to go back and listen to it and see, All right, if, good. It, see if I actually did. <laughs> if I can retain it. Exactly. But I can. Well, luckily, you'll be able to listen to this as much as you want. Oh, thanks. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. For Miley, doing your homework means immersing yourself in both the stories you want to work on and the characters you want to portray. This may seem obvious, but it's surprising how often we assume that we're already familiar with a certain genre of storytelling or a certain type of character, only to discover that while we may understand them intellectually, that's not the same as embodying them in front of an audience. Performing in front of people really tests your acting abilities to make sure they're reliable. Having an audience applies pressure to your psyche and your skills to see if they'll hold up under the stress. Using basketball as an analogy, while it's one thing to practice shooting free throws on the court all by yourself, it's quite another to be able to shoot those same free throws on game night, late in the fourth quarter, with a score tied in front of the opposing team and a huge crowd. This is why Miley recommends theater and improv for voice actors. Both of these require you to perform live in front of an audience with no opportunities for do-overs. This brings a sense of urgency to both your preparation for a role as well as your performance of it. When showtime arrives, you only have one chance to give a stellar performance. This means you have to be truly ready and to give it your all. The same rules apply in the voiceover booth. Voice acting is a very fast-paced business. We don't get weeks of rehearsal, and often we are asked to perform characters without a complete script. In addition, we are expected to give a believable performance from the very first take. Therefore, it's vitally important that voice actors become comfortable with making quick and bold choices to bring a character to life. As if that weren't difficult enough, voice actors must also have the flexibility to change those choices drastically if new information is provided. This can be quite challenging. Fortunately, Theater and improv can help you develop the necessary acting strength and flexibility that will serve you well in your voice acting career. So, once you expose yourself to all sorts of entertainment media so you can understand many different stories and characters, make sure to get up in front of an audience at your local theater or in an acting class and put your knowledge to the test. See if you can truly embody the characters you've studied. If you fall short, 
That just means you know what you need to work on for next time. Treat every opportunity you have to perform in front of people as a chance to build both your strength and your flexibility. This will serve you well in your voice acting journey. Thanks again to Miley for taking the time to talk with us. I'm so glad that she felt she learned new things as well, and I'm grateful for our time together. If you've enjoyed this interview, I'd really appreciate it if you would head over to the iTunes store, look up this podcast, and leave me a nice review. You can rate the podcast using the five-star system, and you can also leave comments to show your support. You can do this either from your computer or from any mobile device with the Apple Podcast app. If you're on a computer, just open up iTunes, go to the iTunes Store, search for Voice Acting Mastery, and it will pop up instantly. Once you've clicked on the podcast listing in the iTunes Store, you should see a button that says Write a Review. Click on that button to do just that. On a mobile device like an iPhone, you can search for the Voice Acting Mastery podcast in the Apple Podcast app. Once you've found the podcast listing, scroll down and there is a place below where it allows you to rate the podcast using the star system and write a review. I'd like to reach as many people as possible with my podcast, and every positive comment you leave helps other aspiring voice actors find this information. Thanks so much, and I'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Voice Acting Mastery Podcast with Crispin Freeman. To get your free report revealing the five most common mistakes to avoid in voice acting, point your web browser to www.freevoiceactinggift.com. Thanks for listening.